It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kemba Walker comes back and buries the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving responds to the booze on Instagram, and Marcus Smart grabs a broom and is swept away by the love he felt from the Boston Celtics fans. It's all here on the Thanksgiving Thursday edition of the Locked On Celtics podcast. Millie's. Let's go. I'm so high right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Melly. Happy Thanksgiving to those of you in the United States who are celebrating. I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com here to recap the Boston Celtics win over the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, talk a little bit about the what happened there, what the booze, the chants against Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving's response, and later on that Marcus Smart story with the broom knocking the ball that was stuck in the backboard. Uh, all of you around the world who are not celebrating Thanksgiving, happy just Thursday. It's just a regular Thursday for you, uh, unless it's a holiday in your country. I'll just shut up now and just start talking about the game. The Boston Celtics beat the Brooklyn Nets 121-110 behind a monster 39-point game from Kemba Walker, who shot 13 of 24, that's 54.2%. And 6 of 10 from 3, that's 60%. And 7 of 7 from the line, that's 100%. That all adds up to 39 points. He also had 6 rebounds, 4 assists, a couple turnovers, a steal. Just an overall brilliant night for Kemba Walker. So let's just start there. Kemba had it all going. He hit shots at the rim. He hit shots in the mid-range. He hit shots at the three-point line. Obviously, 6 of those came from 3. The uh, remaining shots, uh, he mixed up the mid-range and the shots at the rim. Now, I wrote on MassLive.com slash Celtics. Please go and read my stuff on MassLive.com slash Celtics. I wrote that Kemba Walker attacked Jared Allen, and it was just fascinating to watch six-foot Kemba Walker attacking a big shot blocker. I'm a proponent of attacking shot blockers. I think that you don't shy away from the shot blockers. You just have to attack them the right way. If you've listened to this podcast enough, you know that that's something that I've talked about in the past. And I think that for a shot blocker, it's very tough to stay vertical. It's very tough to keep that arm up. And if you are good at what you do and good at changing speeds and changing directions and and setting a guy up, you can really take a shot blocker out of his element and force him to draw fouls and force him to play in space that he's not comfortable playing in. And that's exactly what Kemba Walker did to Jared Allen. He hit mid-range shots early in the game. And if you look at that video that I put on that Mass Live piece, 
you see Jared Allen kind of stopping at the free throw line, playing his drop, pick, and roll coverage. Later in the game, in those videos of Kemba attacking, Jared Allen is now defending all the way out to the three-point line because he doesn't want those mid-range jumpers. He doesn't want he knows that Kemba is willing and able to take and make those shots. So he comes all the way up to try and press. And Kemba now, that dude shifty changes directions on a dime. He starts on the left side of the floor. He goes to the right side of the floor. Then he cuts Jared Allen off again and now and slow foots him, slows down to draw the contact and then finish on the other side of the rim. Just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous stuff from uh, Kemba Walker. So again, go read my piece on MassLive.com slash Celtics. Uh, now, part of what made Walker effective, as Brad Stevens said, and I didn't include this in the piece, but Daniel Tice early on had, uh, he got behind the defense and was able to finish. I think Daniel Tice was very important early on in this game. And he he does deserve a shout out. I haven't given Daniel Tice the proper shout outs for some of the things that he's done in some of these games, but him getting behind the defense, getting some of those those dump down passes, uh, really really helped kind of soften things up and and made things difficult for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Jalen Brown had uh, some important stretches in this game, especially in the second quarter. Now he finished the game with twenty two points. 10 rebounds, a couple of assists, a couple of turnovers, three steals. I mean, he was just awesome. And especially in the second quarter run where uh, he had everything going and 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 really was a, a big reason why the Celtics were able to stay close enough to, to make their run in the second half. There was a stretch there where he had the ball in the post. It was on the right block. And he did some sort of like tap dance, spinning, fading away shot. was just awesome. And then he had a um, a monster breakaway uh, transition dunk. And then he had a drive and dish, which wasn't just a drive and dish. It was a playmaking drive, probing the defense, trying to get them to react to him, which he made them do. And then he, he kicked it out for a three. And if you listen to the Hoop Collective podcast, Jackie McMullen, who is just awesome, made a point uh, about the difference between playmakers and good passers. There are excellent passers in the NBA who aren't necessarily great playmakers. And the difference is that a good passer will make a good pass. We'll see a pass. We'll see a lane. We'll see something happening and deliver a pass that's on point. Playmakers create those lanes, create situations where a defense has to react to him, and then out of that, they make a good pass to a teammate. And what Jalen Brown did, and what Jalen Brown hasn't been able to do for long stretches of his career, basically up until this year, is create these situations for his teammates. Now, This happened in this game, and it happened a couple of times in other spots of this season. Driving and kicking is not necessarily playmaking to me. Playmaking is driving and just making something out of kind of sort of nothing. There's just an added layer to it. And that's what's been kind of keeping 
Jalen Brown from reaching that elite level. And now he's starting to show little pieces of it. I don't know if it's going to happen often. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it in every game. But this is the type of thing. This is what the elite players do. Okay, on a, on a regular basis. Now, that being an elite play that Jalen Brown made doesn't make him an elite player yet, but the fact that he is starting to recognize these opportunities, that's incredibly encouraging. Uh, maybe it's just going to be a thing that exists from time to time and he has flashes of it. Great. If he can become that guy that's always doing it, then that's another level. That's just another level type of thing. So we'll see uh, how that kind of develops. Uh, Other shout-outs in this game, uh, Jason Tatum did not shoot well, 29.5%, 0-4 from 3, but the 9 rebounds and 5 assists were nice. Uh, The bench, got to give some love to Brad Wanamaker and even Ennis Cantor, who in the third quarter, and early in the fourth even, uh, they did what the second unit in the first half in the second quarter wasn't able to do. Um, and partly because Carson Edwards was is still struggling. Again, second round pick early in his career. I'm not going to hold it too far against him, uh, but he, he just wasn't good. Uh, if he's not hitting shots, it really limits his effectiveness and how effective he can be overall for the Celtics. That's fine. He's going to he's gonna hit shots. I have confidence that he's going to hit shots. But that combination of Edwards and, to some degree, Grant Williams is really not working in this game. But in the second half, when the Celtics went to their bench and went to Brad Wanamaker and Cantor, Wanamaker was great in attacking, uh, bouncing back from a, a not-great game. And he finished with 13 points and three rebounds. Uh, pretty key moments in the second half. Cantor did it with his offensive rebounding, and that's the Cantor thing that he does. Five offensive rebounds to help the Celtics uh, with a ton of second-chance points in in this game. They outscored the Brooklyn Nets 25-10 on second-chance points, and and that was very largely due to Ennis Cantor's five offensive rebounds. Uh, So that, uh, that stretch there kind of held things down until... Kemba could come back in, and Jalen Brown can do what he did, and the starters could do what they did. So a, a nice bounce back from the Boston Celtics. The second quarter three-point shooting from the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, they were just dropping bombs. It was hellfire. They were just crazy shooting in the second quarter, and the Celtics were just terrible defensively. But to their credit, they bounced back in the second half. It, the The... Brooklyn Nets shot 10 of 16 in the second quarter of this game. Okay. They shot 12 of 27 in the first half. But in the second half, they shot 9 of 29 from three, 31%. So the Celtics buckled down and did a good job. And that's kind of what you all you can ask for in, in that situation. Uh, I don't know if the Celtics. We're caught up in the Kyrie stuff. I have not talked about the Kyrie chants, but I'm going to talk about them in the second segment because Kyrie responded to those. Uh, but whatever it was, the Celtics were able to bounce back and have a very, very nice second half. After 
a bad second quarter where they were outscored 40 to 27. They outscored Brooklyn 30 to 23 in the first quarter, 34 23 in the third, and 30 to 24 in the fourth. So they kind of cruised except for that second quarter where it was just an abomination defensively. And again, a lot of that had to do with the Celtics' second unit, which was just getting worked. So hopefully Gordon Hayward can come back soon because uh, that's that will solve some of the problems. But uh, until – and maybe it's going to take a stretch. Maybe when Gordon Hayward comes back, maybe you send Carson Edwards to the G League and let him get his shot down. Let him go get some confidence because the kid can shoot, man. He can shoot, but if he's not hitting those shots, then – his effectiveness is limited, and he doesn't have the luxury of playing starter minutes like he did in college. He's going to get a couple of minutes here and there, and if he's not feeling it, then he he's going to end up sitting on the bench. And it's a tough league, man, and and, and he's finding that out, and, and I know he's putting in the work. It's just a matter of it's got to go find that groove. So. The Celtics need him on the bench, and maybe when when Gordon comes back, he can get some reps in Maine to get get that groove back. Okay, the Celtics fans in attendance at the Garden decided we were going to make Kyrie chants happen, and it didn't matter that Kyrie was not there. We're going to talk about that after the break, and Kyrie Irving's response, which... On some level, I understand, but man, you're just making things worse, Kyrie. Coming up next on the Locked On Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
We've known for a while that Kyrie Irving was not going to be at this game. He was not traveling with the Brooklyn Nets. He skipped their road trip, which included the Knicks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Boston Celtics. Two of those games are notable because they are his two former teams. And Kyrie has a reputation of not wanting to face his former teams. Now, we've joked about it on this podcast. Uh, It's a reputation that I don't know if it's really legit. Let's be honest. When it was happening while he was part of the Celtics, it made sense to rest him and the knee that was sort of problematic because the, the Cavaliers sucked and they still suck. And it didn't make sense to like, we're talking about this world of load management, having him not going on a trip to Cleveland to sit against a team that's terrible. Like that, that makes sense. If you strip away all of that other stuff, that makes sense. But when the people in Cleveland are sitting there saying, oh, he's ducking us. I mean, he he did go to one and that was the opening night two seasons ago. Uh, But we excused it all away. And now he's gone from Boston. And wouldn't you know it, he has a shoulder impingement that kept him from going on the one road trip that included both of those teams. Now the Celtics uh, will take their Thanksgiving and do whatever they do. And then uh, on Thursday evening, we'll fly to New York to prepare for an early game on Friday. If Kyrie Irving plays in this game, it's going to be just uh, an I told you so fest. The fans that were there who knew he wasn't going to be there still wanted to send him a message. And they did loudly with a where's Kyrie chant with a Kyrie sucks chant. uh, A couple of other sort of attempts at chants that, uh, you know, whatever they were just booing everything nets. The nets introductions were booed more loudly than any other opposing team introduction. It, it's just the Celtics fans just didn't care that Kyrie wasn't there. They're going to let this off of their chest, which fine. That's sports. Kyrie came to Boston Last season, before last season's start, we knew that uh, he had said what he said about, if you'll have me, I'll come back. And then things went south, and he seemed to quit in the playoffs. Like, all of that stuff, it's all well documented. So, Celtics fans have animosity. Okay? They just, they do. The fact that if he had never said what he said before last season, and if he had tried his ass off in the playoffs and had a great performance and the Celtics still lost 4-1, to then, and he decided to leave, sure, some fans would be upset. He'd be booed at introductions because fans hate when a guy leaves their team, but it wouldn't be this bad. It, would, it wouldn't be this level of vitriol, but it was uh, because Celtics fans thought that they had something here. Last season sucked. It was disappointing. The Celtics... Celtics fans thought they had a championship contender on their hands, and it all 
flushed down the toilet and Kyrie Irving is the number one person to blame. And you hear the Celtics talk about it. You hear Danny Ainge talk about it. And he says, they all say, we love Kyrie. Like we, we thought he was great and we wish him nothing but the best. But at the same time, Danny Ainge said he had a great year, year and a half. Not two years, year or year and a half. Brad Stevens said he had a great two years here basketball-wise. So not off the court. They, they, they sneak in these little caveats, these little things that make it like kind of clear. It's, it's clear that it, it didn't work. It didn't work. And they're never going to blatantly say it didn't work because of Kyrie because there are other things. We know that. But Kyrie was a big deal. It was a big part of it. So here we are. This is the situation. It's sports. And sports fandom is, it's not serious. It sounds serious. People seem to take it seriously. Some people do take it seriously. Too seriously, in fact. Fine. But the whole point of sports is that when you've had a shitty day and you come home and you're pissed off at the real world, you get to turn on a sports and it's your city. It's your civic pride on the line. You see Boston on the front of the jersey. You see this, this thing that you identify with. And it's, it's by proxy you. It's a piece of you that's out there. That's why fans say things like we and us. And I'm not one of those people who says that, that rails against that. Because when, when you say, oh, yeah, we won last night. Or we lost. And they, oh, did you play? Like, shut the hell up. It's part of us that's on the floor, on the field, on the ice, because that B, that Boston, or whatever city you're from, the team that you identify with, you invest emotionally in this. We know that this isn't serious, but we take it seriously for however long it's there, because it's an escape. Now, I say all of this because Kyrie Irving on his Instagram story, kind of railed on this whole thing. I'll read it. It's a lot. I'll read it. Here it is. It happens all the time, and tonight just shows how sports slash entertainment will always be ignorant and obtrusive. It's one big show, all caps show, that means very, very, all caps very, little in the real world that most people live in because there are actually things that matter going on within it. Like figuring out a life that means more to you than a damn ball going in a hoop or learning how to grow up being in a fishbowl of society based on your popularity level as a person or even dealing with becoming the leader of your family after someone's passing and not knowing how to deal with life after it, after it happens. But... This game of sports entertainment matters more than someone's mental health and well-being, right? Or the real-life things that happen to people every day, but they still have to perform for the NBA, it's fans. It's fans, right? It's all about doing it for the fans and the organization that you love so much. Think again. It's a game, and it's promoted as fandom experience for ticket buyers and viewers at home while defacing who... I'm sorry. While defacing who people truly are as People, all caps, people, then spat out all over these media networks as vulnerable food, as I'm sorry, valuable food for thought 
while they actually believe that their opinions hold weight to real cultural leaders that speak and act for change. One big gimmick with some smoke and mirrors. I'll always be the one that takes the stand and speaks the truth every time, though. A purposeful and spiritually led life will always be bigger and more meaningful than any sports arena or any entertainment space. This game, all caps game, isn't meant to be controlled and shown as drama. It's meant to show the love, all caps love. Love for the art is the only damn thing that keeps the purest people in this giant sports slash entertainment circus. Don't fall for the game that's played in front of you as entertainment. It'll never, never be as serious as dealing with life, all caps, giant font life. Okay. It's, let me start with this. I agree with actually a lot of what Kyrie's saying. In a general sense, let's just take it for what it is. In in this vacuum, that it's he's basically saying it's not as serious. Now break it down a little bit here. He talks about growing up in a fishbowl of a society based on your popularity level as a person. He's, he's letting us into a little bit of who he is because that's how he grew up in this fishbowl kind of being watched as a supremely talented basketball player. Like his entire life as a child growing up, he has this incredible gift of basketball. Say what you want about Kyrie. You can hate him all you want, but you can't pretend he's not gifted when it comes to basketball. He's a tremendous basketball player. Individually, he's one of the best basketball players in the world. That's true. That is a fact. So talking about this learning to grow up about while being in the fishbowl, that, that is important to me. Now I've always said that Kyrie's mental health is, yes, I think that's something that he needs to work on. And as an advocate for mental health, like I think everybody needs to work on their mental health. I don't know what, what steps he's taking. And to be fair, I have no idea, but his reactions to things lead me to believe that there, there needs to be some sort of leveling of his emotions and understanding that certain things in his life are okay and not his fault. This, this thing, this being in a fishbowl, that I don't know that he's ever properly dealt with that. Or this next line, dealing with becoming a leader of your family after someone's passing. Now, I'm assuming that he's talking about his mother, who, who he lost at a very young age. Or maybe another family member. He talked about losing a grandfather, but uh, but when he says not knowing how to deal with life after it happens, uh, I'm assuming he's talking about the loss of his mother. He was four years old when it happened, so I, I'm assuming that that's what it means because he's talking about not knowing uh, how to deal with that or life after that. He's a very young young man, young boy at that point. Um, but these are things that are important and it's very obvious. Basketball is not more important than these things. Uh, basketball is not more important than mental health or well-being. Uh, but, but let's boil it down to a more surface level conversation that you're in this arena this arena is what's given you the ability to have this platform. You have to understand that certain things come with being on this stage. 
and you may not like the things that come with being on this stage, but here we are. This is what it is. And by railing against all of this and taking this position, Kyrie opens himself up to a lot of criticism by taking this too seriously, just like some of the fans are taking things too seriously. This is a sport. This is a game. This is entertainment. A lot of these fans, if you confront them, if you put Kyrie right in front of them face to face, a lot of these fans, let's be real, they'll shrink. Not everybody, maybe not you, but a lot of these fans, if Kyrie did like Bradley Beal in Denver, when somebody yelled at him and he stopped and he crossed his arms, kind of made that face, like a lot of people are like, oh, my bad, my bad, sorry. I was just, I was just doing a thing. I'm sorry. Like, I guarantee you a, an extraordinarily large percentage of people would have that reaction. They'd just be like, oh, my, my bad, my bad. I'm sorry. I was just having fun. I was just having fun. Kyrie sucks chance of just having fun. No one really thinks Kyrie sucks, but when you take things too seriously on both ends, you have these things like this. Kyrie, if I was a crisis manager doing like crisis management PR, I would tell Kyrie, if I had a chance to stop him from posting this, I'd be like, look, man, your best bet is to just go to Boston, play in Boston, deal with the booze and let it go. When you're asked about it, you just say, you know what? Fans are going to say what they say, you know? Say say something like, I don't know, uh, I, I thought I wanted to be here. Things changed. Um, and he, like he said in, in the media day, things happened in my life that, that changed the dynamic of what I thought I wanted. And I, I realized over the course of the season that I wanted something different. Um, I liked my time in Boston. I thought it was, I thought it was, uh, you know, it's disappointing that we, we couldn't fulfill our goals, but, uh, as a free agent, I exercised my rights to go back home. That's what I wanted to do. And that's where I feel more comfortable. And I'm just excited for my opportunity moving forward. And, uh, you know, I know these fans cheered for me once and maybe they'll never cheer for me again, but you know, I, I've always got love for the people that, that came here and, and, wanted me to succeed. And I understand that this is all part of this entertainment thing. So it is what it is. That's your statement. That's your statement. And then you know what happens after that? It all dies down. People say, you know what? Kyrie's taking it in stride. It's good. It's just like people bullying, like bullying is wrong and it's bad and all of that. The One of the best ways to combat it is to let and have it not affect you. To not let on that it affects you. And, you know, this, when people say something negative, you say whatever. It's cool. And you learn how to process that in a healthy way. That some people are just going to be negative. It's, I'll be honest with you, in this business, there's plenty of people that I live in a world, it's kind of weird, this world that I live in of producing content. 
uh, you know, you spend your whole life in trying to get to a point where you don't give a shit what people think. Like, I think that's the healthiest place to be in life to honestly live your life by not giving a shit what people think about you. And you can just make decisions free of other people's opinions. That is a very healthy place to be. And I try to get there. And yet I work in an industry where I kind of have to care what people think because I'm producing content that's supposed to be consumed by you. Just like owning a restaurant. I'm producing something that you're consuming. I'm producing content that you're reading just like I would be producing like when I grew up in my dad's pizza place, making you a pizza. If you like it, great. If you came back and you said, this pizza sucks, then that that's that's horrible to hear. But that's part of it. You got to make sure that you're doing the best job you can. And part of my, my job is to produce the content. And if you come back and be like, that column sucked, that story sucked. Like, well, sorry. You know, I tried my best. If I did my honest best and you don't like it, I'm sorry. I just try to process it and move forward and not not get too too caught up in some of the personal things that people will say. And some people do get personal. So Kyrie, I feel bad for the things that he's gone through. Um, I, I hope that he can find that peace, that inner peace that allows him to go through a night like this, watching from even afar. I hope that he kind of gets through this because that's, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in Kyrie Irving. I'm still interested in Kyrie Irving as a person, as a person that's evolving. He's still a young guy. Like all of these dudes in their twenties trying to figure themselves out. I, you know, as a message from a 40 something year old (laughs) emphasis on something, (laughs) you don't know what you're talking about. Just like I didn't know what I was talking about in my twenties. And 50-something-year-old me is going to come back and be like, hey, John, 46-year-old John, you didn't know what you were talking about either. But I know more than a lot of these 20-year-olds, at least in certain regards. So they know more than me and others. Like, I don't want to make it, make it sound like I know everything. But the point is, as you get experience, that's how you learn. Quick story. Did you know how black belts came to be? And this is related. A black belt in martial arts came to be because the martial artists never washed their belts. When martial arts were first being devised in China and Japan centuries ago, the belt was never washed. And as a fighter got more experienced, the dirtier it got, it became black. That's why there are ascending kind of colors and why the black belt is the most experienced. This is what I'm talking about when it comes to as you grow and learn with age, you'll, you'll learn things. So 40, 50, 60 years old, you learn things and that's why you just know more about life in general than people who are 15, 25, 35. Like that's just, you learn things you think, you know, things you thought, you know, they're not true necessarily, or, or there's a different level of truth to them. So I say all of this, this very, very, very long segment 
to say that Kyrie just I hope you figure this out, man. This isn't helping. This Instagram post isn't helping. And just go play. Go play basketball and take it as part of what it is. And at some point, I hope you find your peace. When we come back, Marcus Smart found peace and love on the floor with his hands on a broom. I'm going to play you Marcus Smart's interview with me. I had him one-on-one in the locker room to talk about this. I'm gonna, I'm, it's really, really interesting. I'm going to play it for you when we come back here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. In the final minutes of the Celtics win over the Brooklyn Nets, Grant Williams launched a three, which of course missed because he's missed all of his threes this year. I think he's 0 of 21 now. It went over the top of the backboard and settled at the top of the kind of camera mount. For the second game in a row, a ball got stuck behind the backboard. Now, it happened on Monday, and Marcus Smart happened to be there, and he kind of, everybody was looking up at the ball going, huh, how do we get this down? And Marcus was like, oh, I got this. He went behind the stanchion, he pulled out the broom, used the handle, knocked it out. Everybody cheered. He raised the roof. It was a funny moment. Kind of forgotten about it. Forgot about it, actually. I wanted to ask about it after that game. I kind of forgot about it. Well, here we are. It happened again. And it happened in front of the Celtics bench, which was interesting because the Celtics don't normally shoot on that hoop in the second half, but the Brooklyn Nets, as the visiting team, get to choose the basket they shoot on in the first half. They chose the other one. So the Celtics were shooting at this basket in the second half, and the ball got stuck, and Marcus Smart told me, that Brad Stevens sent him in. He said, you got to go get it. So he went and got it. So he goes and he gets the broom and he pokes it off. And everybody cheers again. He raises the roof again. And then there are MVP chants. Loud, distinct MVP chants for Marcus Smart because he poked the ball away with this broom. And I thought this was hilarious. So after the game... I went and I asked Brad Stevens the last question. I made sure it was the last question of the press conference because I didn't want to muck it up with a stupid question. The last question of the press conference, I asked him what he thought. Here's the question. Here's the answer. Brad, Marcus Smart does a ton for this team, but how impressive is his ability to knock uh, balls that are stuck in the backboard away with a broom? never knew he had it, John, and then and you saw it the other night. It's just another, you know, unbelievable quality that we can celebrate and over-celebrate. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's, he's one of a kind. But we knew when that ball got stuck today, there was only one man to get it down. Faux serious question for me. Faux serious answer from, from Brad. It was a funny moment. Okay, so I thought, okay, this is funny. Maybe I get a funny little story out of this. Nothing special, few hundred words, 
Just kind of a funny thing to throw out there because it's funny. Okay. Go to Marcus Smart. And I asked Marcus Smart about it. And he actually got serious. He sees this moment, the MVP chance for that silly thing as something I didn't see it for in the moment. I saw it as a silly thing. Marcus saw it as a flashbulb moment, a thing that shows progression. And so I wanted to play you the whole thing. It's like three minutes to let you hear the interview because I didn't take this as serious at the beginning. And then Marcus Smart gives me a serious answer. And then all of a sudden I realize, whoa, wait a minute. There's, there's a lot more to this than I thought. So here's my three minute Q and a, uh, one-on-one with Marcus Smart. Did you ever in your life think you'd get MVP chance for knocking the ball out of a back? Never. 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 To have that happen two games in a row and to play to the crowd like that, I mean, that's got to be one of the most unique experiences of all the things you've experienced in basketball. Uh, it is, you know. I'm, I remember a time where those chants were different type of chants for me. And, uh, you know, just stayed with it, kept working, and, you know, finally people are, are seeing, you know, things that I'm valuable in that I bring to the table on, on every given night. So you find something like that as kind of like your, this is your moment. This is like Marcus Smart kind of owns Boston. <laughs> yeah, in a way, in a sense, you know, being here the longest, you know, just everything I do in the city and, and, and you know, the way that this, this crowd shows love and, and appreciation is something that you, you have to respect and admire. Um, from a from a city and you know there's very limited cities it's like boston when it comes to that aspect yeah i mean like you said you started off things were different i mean obviously part of it's because of your play shootings come around a lot i mean that hard work has paid off but now i mean are you really aware of how much the fans love you right now <laughs> uh i have i have a little sense you know i, I really just been trying to stay focused and not uh focus on it just focus on my teammates and, and winning games. Um, but, I, you know, I, I definitely feel it when I'm on the court. I definitely feel it when I'm walking through the city. Um, and it's a great feeling. Do you understand why? Uh, I, I want to say, you know, it's just the way I play. You know, every every night the way I go out and just, you know, give myself to the team and, and, and dedicate to winning and doing everything that, you know, a lot of people rarely wants to do. Um and just really sacrificing my individual uh, goals and stats and everything for everybody else for the good of the team. And uh, I, I think that's, that's something that, you know, they really appreciate just be, being, the, you know, the, the hardworking blue collar that they are. And, you know, that that's that's right up their alley. That's exactly what Boston loves. I mean, you're the prototypical Boston <laughs> athlete. Uh, did Brad send you out? Yeah. I, was, I wasn't going to get it. And then Brad's like, smart, you got to go. You got to go. And I'm like... All right, I gotta go. And now you know it was, it was funny. It was cool, and it was, you know everybody, my teammates laughed and, and joked about it. And it's it just it was a good fight. It's a good feeling. It's one of those like, it's so silly. <laughs> exactly right. But it's like a moment like 
that is special. You know, it's special. It's special. It is. It's special, you know, because those chants, yeah, we know, you know, I'm probably not the MVP, you know, and, and you know, but those chants of that signifies, you know, what I mean to this, this city and this team and this crowd. I was taken aback, completely taken aback. And let me just add this. I asked Kemba Walker after that. So the progression is the play happens, go to Brad Stevens. I ask a silly question. He gives me a, a sarcastic answer. Go to Marcus Smart. He gives me this big, serious thing, which I'm shocked about. Then we go to Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker doesn't know the question or answer that Marcus Smart has given me. I ask him what he thought on the bench of that moment. And here's what Kemba Walker had to say. What's it like on the bench watching Marcus Smart get MVP chance for knocking the stuck ball loose mm-hmm. with the broom? Um, it's great. It's great. He does everything, and that's just a that's a, that, that's just a perfect example, you know, of of who he is, you know, to this team, to this organization, and to this city. Um, it's, it's it's definitely well deserved. He's he does everything for us, and that's a perfect example. So Kemba, as the new guy, sees this thing happening, like wow, this dude went out there and poked this ball away. And he's getting the MVP chance. Now, as a crowd, you only have certain certain types of ways you can show your appreciation for a player. MVP chance at the free throw line, or M- that stuff is kind of symbolic. Not to think that we think you're the MVP. It's grown to a point where it's like, we love you. And whether you think... He's the actual MVP or not? Like I don't think anybody in Boston thinks he's going to be the MVP, as you heard Marcus say. No one thinks he's going to be the MVP. But that MVP chant is a sort of, we love you. And to see Marcus kind of like say, this, is, this isn't something that I would have gotten a few years ago. This whole kind of moment feeling the love I, I I'm I was surprised by his kind of take that like yeah this is something that it's progression it's it's this new spot that he's in uh, for Kemba to see it and say that this is kind of like a perfect example like Marcus Smart grabbed a broom and poked the ball free and everybody loved him for it. And damn it, if Kemba Walker isn't right, that it's not like a symbolic thing. Like, it's symbolic that he went out and did this thing that made us all laugh, but we all loved it. He does everything for this team, from guarding a big to guarding a small to guarding a whatever to hitting a big shot now, to poking the ball that's stuck away from the backboard, to like I wouldn't be surprised if I went out there after the game and saw him on the bull gang pulling up the, the floor and unveiling the ice and putting up the boards for the next Bruins game. Like that's just Marcus Smart. Um so I wanted to share that because I thought it was cool. It was cool that that moment existed. And if I may, 
for those of you who are listening who may be college students, uh, people who aspire to be in this business. I've gotten questions from a lot of students and people who aspire to be in this business. Um, I would say that this is a lesson learned. It's a lesson learned for me or a lesson reinforced for me. And it should be a lesson learned for everybody that's trying to get in this business. You never know what answer you're going to get. So if you feel like you're afraid to ask a question because you think you know what the answer is going to be, ask the question anyway. What's the worst that can happen? They say, no, sorry, next question. Brad dunked on me the other day. Kemba dunked on me at shoot-around. Like, that that happens. You ask a question and maybe it came out wrong or maybe it was, maybe it was just a dumb question. That's going to happen. Just like guys are going to have four for 16 shooting nights. You're going to have your version of a four for 16 shooting night on this job. But if you're, if you're afraid to ask a question because you think you know what the answer is going to be, ask the damn question anyway, because maybe the answer you get will surprise you. And I'm glad I asked Marcus this question because the answer surprised the hell out of me. And to have him compare this moment to something meaningful in his career, I thought poignant and important. And I thought, I thought it was very, very cool. I've been talking for an extraordinarily long time and you're getting about a one hour podcast now. So what's going to happen is consider this your Thursday and Friday podcasts. Um, it's Thanksgiving in America on Thursday. So those of you in the United States, um, I hope you understand that I'm going to take the holiday off as well and not record a show, a show on Thursday going into Friday. Those of you around the world, I hope you understand that I'm going to take a holiday off and enjoy it. Uh, I hope that all of you enjoy your Friday and your long weekend. The Celtics are going to play the Nets and the the Knicks. So the next podcast will involve both of those. And uh, I hope those of you who haven't subscribed and who are still with me to this point of the show, I hope you enjoy it enough to subscribe. Normally the show goes about half an hour, but I thought the Kyrie stuff was interesting and I wanted to talk about it. And so, uh, but I hope you subscribe to the show. Those of you who do subscribe, I hope you give a good five-star rating, good written review, and I hope you share the podcast. Tell everybody, listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.